Welcome to the Ocean Grove Camp Meeting Association's podcast. In Mark 16, 15, Jesus says, Go throughout the whole world and preach the gospel to every person. This good news sermon was given in the Great Auditorium in Ocean Grove, New Jersey. Visit oceangrove.org to learn how we are fulfilling our mission to provide people of all ages with opportunities for spiritual birth, growth, and renewal through worship, educational, cultural, and recreational programs at the Jersey Shore. Welcome to another episode of Grovecast. We would appreciate your feedback on Grovecast. You can provide your feedback by going to www.oceangrove.org podcast and looking for the feedback link on that page. Thank you. And thank you to the Ladies Auxiliary for the, being ushers today. Let's give them a hand. A happy Father's Day to uh, all the fathers in attendance and online. Um, God bless each of you. Uh, I am grateful to have my father in attendance today. You may be the man I am, and I'm so grateful. Thank you, Dad. My speaking today in the great auditorium may have come as a surprise to you. Trust you, it was a surprise to me. Um, the, the air traffic uh, was not what it should have been, and um, so I am who you have this morning. But today's scripture is so important, and I want you to dig into it, all right? So we will be reading today from Mark's gospel. It's the parallel to the Matthew account that is the theme verse for this year. So Matthew's is, you know, the 22 uh, verse 37. It's the great commandment, the greatest commandment. And so the Ocean Grove Camp Meeting Association has selected this verse, and by a shorthand title, we call it All In. So let's get into being all in. The verse is Mark's Gospel, chapter 12, verses 29 to 30. The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. May God add his blessing to this message. Let's start with the basics. An easy question. This commandment, easy or hard? Sounds like Jesus gave us one that when you really start to unpack it, all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your soul. I'm trying to remember the categories in order. Some people find it hard just to pay attention to a message for 20 minutes. How can I do anything for the rest of my life with everything that I have? Why? Why, God? Why is it all? This is impossible. On your own, in your own strength, it is impossible. But God is with us 
He is already loving us. He loved you before you were born. He will continue to love you. And that is why with God and by His grace, it does become possible. Now wait a second. There's, there's hope to how we can do this. What's the main verb? Somebody shout out. What's the main verb? Love. What if it had been a different verse? What if he had said, obey, obey the Lord with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength? I wouldn't be doing all that good. I'll be honest. There are times that I fail. I think if we're all honest, there's times that we would each fail. So obey or sunk. Okay, let's, 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 what if it was something different? What if it was fear? Fear the Lord with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. That sounds like a good thing to, to do. I think of the, in the Bible of Psalm 111. It tells us the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow this precept has good understanding. To him belongs eternal praise. So fearing Almighty God, definitely a good thing. But praise be to God. It's the great commandment. This greatest commandment is not obey, and it's not fear. It is love. And that's what Jesus teaches He commands. He instructs. And dare I say, it might even be a marriage proposal that he's offering to you. God is already loving you with everything. And it's an invitation from the only one who could truly give it. It was foreshadowed in the Old Testament, for sure. But then the Son of God comes and he says, come, come, love, love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all of your strength. Sounds like a wedding. Now be honest, are there any Jeopardy watchers out here? People watch the TV show Jeopardy. I see some hands waving, some... Some shy Jeopardy watch. Do you ever try to answer the question before it's fully said? <laughs> All right. Or, or maybe you, when you were in school, you tried to answer the question before um, the, the teacher had finished saying it, right? What about the second commandment? Did you already in your mind, anybody here, go, and the second is like unto it. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's fun to run ahead. Um, But let's hold up for a second. Because Jesus did not teach a two-step program. Step one, love God. Step two, love your neighbor. Because while they are alike, they are also different commandments. And there are some who might Think of it as, well, if I can get to the destination and not do step one, 
can I just take a shortcut? Can, can I just like get to the destination at the end without the greatest commandment? I've, I've worked with uh, army soldiers before and, th- and there's a, something called Jump Master School. If you've ever been down to uh, Fort Bragg, North Carolina, the 82nd Airborne, and they will have people get in airplanes, perfectly good mechanical uh, pieces of equipment, they'll go up into the air and then they will jump out of the plane. Who would do such a thing, right? But they give you some important instructions. The most important instruction, remember to pull the ripcord. That'll stop a lot of damage. Now, there's a second commandment, and they'll instruct you and say, and when you hit the ground, you want to like maybe bend your knees and roll if you can. But if you only do the second and you don't do the first, you're going to know why that first commandment was the really important one, right? So, so just taking a long, this is not a two-step program where you can take a shortcut and skip God. It, it's not as if you could skip loving God and maybe even skip loving yourself and just love others that you've arrived. Because what God is teaching you is not technique. What he requires is not a technique to learn to love others. Loving God first sets the foundation for the transformation of your soul. Now let's compare and contrast these two commandments. They both have love as the verb. But that's where the similarity ends. You see, the primary commandment, the first one, is an absolute commandment, 100%. All that you have, all in. The second commandment is a comparative. This compared to that. If you love yourself, and it goes down in the scales, if you love yourself more than someone else, you'll be selfish. And then bad things will happen. You will not be who God has created you, his purpose for you to be. So in the comparative, you must love your neighbor as yourself. But when it comes to God, you're dealing with somebody who is not your equal. Let's just be honest. And he doesn't require 97% or 98% or even 99.996%. It's 100%. Otherwise, God could have said, why don't you love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, Love your neighbor with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And love yourself with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And you create this competing love triangle between the three of you. Right? But perhaps a better word is that, that old English word when uh, you read, and it, it would translate to charity. Where is your love? Where is your compassion? Where is your desire? God says that if you put, Jesus is teaching, if you put God on the throne of your heart, if he is at the center of your life, then everything else will be in order. You will automatically learn 
to love yourself. Did you know you had to learn to love yourself? You will learn to do that when you see yourself as God sees you. You will automatically learn to love others when God is at the throne and God is in the center. Now, they told me it's a good thing to give stories, and so I was like thinking around, what's a good story, right? And I don't have any funny ones, but I'll tell you, listening to this, you know, what I just talked about, which is God on the throne, God in the center, it reminds me of a true story that happened to me um, about 30 years ago. I was at work, and there was a man in the office next door, he was in charge of a bunch of people, and he loved golf. His name was Tony. And if you knew Tony, you knew that he loved golf. You knew when he got a new club, you knew when he played somewhere, you knew when he bumped into somebody famous who plays golf. To know Tony was to know that he loved golf. And one day, Tony had a heart attack at home and died. So as a young employee, I went you know, to the, uh, the funeral. And at the funeral, the priest wanted to give, it was a Catholic ceremony, Tony was Catholic, um, they, the priest wanted to give people comfort. Talk about how God can satisfy your needs. But then he said something that really stuck with me. And um, I don't want you to leave today thinking in the same way that it was presented there. Because the priest looked out and said, do you know, Tony's in heaven right now. And he has a tea time. And he's going to be playing golf with St. Peter. And you know what else? Tony's going to hit a hole in one. And he's going to do it every day. And since that time, I've been to other funerals and other memorial services, different, you know, Christian denominations. And I've heard about a guy who loved rock and roll music. It was the center of his life. And Right now, the speaker said, our friend is up in heaven playing electric guitar with you know, some of the band members of Led Zeppelin. He's on the stairway of heaven, playing Stairway to Heaven, a song by a rock band. And I've heard about people being, you know, who are avid surfers, being surfers who are never, never in a crash. They never get wiped out. They're always having a great wave. The problem with this theology is it's that you can make heaven whatever you want. It revolves around you. Create your own heaven. That's not biblical. The biblical teaching is that God is in the center. That it's his home. And that he's wooing his children home. And through the love that God has, he offers and extends the invitation to love him back. And when you choose to love God, you are drawn to him. You go through this life loving him and into the next. By our own resources, with our money and our health care and our exercising, as good as that is, there will come a day where we will have to meet with the Lord. I love the passage in Malachi that is then echoed in 1 Peter chapter 1. 
verses 3 to 9. And it talks specifically about trials and tribulations. It talks about salvation. And in the verse, it says that your faith will be purified like gold. Have you ever seen a purification in a, in a metallurgy shop or anything like that? They make it super hot, white hot, and then all the impurities float to the surface, and then they skim them off. And after they've done it once, they'll do it again. And they'll do it again until the, all that's left, in the case of gold, is pure gold, 24 karat gold, something that you can make a treasure out of, something that you would hold closely. God refines us as in a fire. And when he has our life, he will not allow one drop of gold to be pulled away with the dross, with the, the impurities. And he will not waste one drop of gold. He will bring it all to himself. I'm reminded of the preacher, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, who was preaching on the topic of the refiner's fire. And he wrote this. It is well for us to know that whenever Jesus Christ draws near to a soul, he comes in utmost mercy to make it clean. Because Jesus in himself is the incarnation of the ineffable, the unspeakable love. His coming always means that he is about to purify a soul for the highest and purest mercy of God is to take our sins away. The grandest thing that God himself can do in the purpose of his love is to purify us into his own glorious holiness. And that's what Christ does with the church. It's for this reason that Jesus gave the command. He gave the imperative. He did it with urgency. Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. If you leave any impurity behind, it'll fester, corrupt. In love, Surrender yourself. Surrender your very soul to God. When you get to heaven, you probably will not be watching sports. No matter how much you love them now. When you get there, you probably won't be scrolling on your phone through Facebook. <laughs> Hate to break it to some of you. You won't be remembering the titles you had, or the trophies you won, or the monuments you built to yourself. It'll all be skimmed away. But your love for God, for the cleansing power of Jesus' blood that covers you, that will remain. I really believe that the scriptures are pointing to an important truth. That a soul that is covered with the blood of Jesus, passes through the fire. For some people, as they pass through, there's very little that looks the way they look now in 
You won't even be able to recognize if anything comes through on the other side. But for the holy men and women of God, for the people who submit to Him, who love Him, who know they can't do it on their own, I know I can't, but who trust Jesus and His cross, the holy men and women of God pass through the purifying flame and they come through the other side without a smudge. They're still them. You need to love God. It's not a burdensome command. It's where the good stuff is. It's where real life begins. Everlasting life on the other side. Being all in. Being in with Jesus and allowing the Holy Spirit to indwell within you. Now, you might... Um, been thinking that I've been talking a long time. I, I, I used to uh, sit over in that chair. And before I would walk up here, I would tell the preacher, there's a clock in the back. <laughs> just, just saying, you know. And uh, if it gets to 1130, people are going to get antsy. And you can preach to 12, but you might be alone. <laughs> happens over in the preacher's day. So you might be thinking by now, could you just give me a picture Give me a picture. You've used a lot of words. They say a picture's worth a thousand words. Could, could you just boil it down? If you don't listen to anything else that I've said, if you only remember one thing, God has given us a picture of what it is to be all in. God has given us an image, an amazing image. It's Jesus. Think about even the words in the command. When you think of the human body and you think of strength, you might think of arms and hands and legs and feet. That's where your strength, you know, is going to be coming from. What did Jesus do on the cross? He stretched out his hands and he let the nails be put in them. He was obedient to the Father and he showed his love for you. And the nails went into his feet. What else? What else is in the verse? Next slide, please. Heart. Jesus on the cross had a spear, a Roman spear placed into his heart. So great was his love. So great was his submission. He loved you and was obedient to the Father with all of his heart. That's the image. What about your thinking, your mind? What, what, what part of your body do you, do you use to do the thinking with? Your head. You need an image to see the love of Jesus all in a crown of thorns coming down onto his head, piercing his scalp. Jesus loved you with all of his mind, with every teaching he gave, even with a crown of thorns. The last one, soul. In the ancient language, the Greek that the Bible's written in, we have words, spirit, soul, breath. They come together. Jesus' final words 
into your hand, Father. I commend my spirit. It is finished. When he finished, Jesus had given it all. All his strength. All of his heart. All of his mind. All of his soul. When you need an encouragement, when you need to know about love, know the absolute love, the pure love that Jesus has for you, for me, and for his Father. So do you want to love the way Jesus loved? Do you want your soul to be transformed? Do you want your soul to pass through and be just in the throne room of God the real you, who you are now. This is the closing. I'm going to invite you to pray. Let the Lord be in our midst. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you are a God of surprises. We're surprised by your love. So on this Father's Day, we think of our Heavenly Father, and we say, Lord, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he was all in. Thank you that he gave everything that he had. In our hearts and in our souls and in our mind and in our strength, there are times we've held a peace back. We pledge ourselves to you today, Lord. We want to be in that marriage covenant. Take away that thing that is hindering. That thing that is between me and you, Lord God. And we ask this through the power and the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. We would appreciate your feedback on Grovecast. You can provide your feedback by going to www.oceangrove.org podcast and looking for the feedback link on that page. Thank you. Thank you for listening. For more about attending a worship service in the Great Auditorium, additional programs offered by the Ocean Grove Camp Meeting Association, and social media links, go to oceangrove.org.